what does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our lives doing so many things, transporting our kids around, spending too many hours in the office, trying to find time to spend with our spouse. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Did you know that in a week, there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending 80 of those related to our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. All right, welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Podcast. I'm so glad you guys are listening. This is great. Um, my name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Stapleton Church. I'm here with Sawyer. Hi, how's it going, everybody? I am the student ministry pastor here at Stapleton Church. We're glad to have you listening. Yep, um, this is going to be a good one. We are still going through these Proverbs of Ecclesiastes, and the Proverbs are all about these nuggets of wisdom, the gold of wisdom that we're panning out of life. In this episode in particular, we are talking about wisdom because sometimes it's not about being right or wrong. It's about wisdom. You know, so often we can get so focused, those of us who are followers of Jesus or, or those who are from other religious faiths, we get so focused on is this right or wrong? Is it sin or is it righteousness? But, you know, sometimes it doesn't come down to that. It's not about is it sin. Sometimes it's just stupid. <laughs> no, no, seriously, like people talk about different things like should I do this or should I not do it um, and I'm going to search through the Bible to figure out what it says it's like well no that's just idiotic don't do it or yeah that's a smart wise thing to do you should do it um, it's not going to send you to hell or anything like that we get so focused this last message I gave on this past Sunday was about our work and our toil that we do with our jobs you know for a lot of us 40 plus hours a week spent working and we can get focused on that, too, is, is what is right, what is wrong. Martin Luther, the great reformer, was asked about, okay, well, how do you be a good Christian in, in the workplace? And if you are a shoemaker, he said, a good Christian shoemaker doesn't put little tiny crosses on the bottom of all his shoes. He makes good shoes. Tim Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, talks about that, too. If you're a, a pilot of a plane, what does it mean to be a good Christian pilot? Well, you land the plane, right? <laughs> you get the people home safe. <laughs> yes. It's not like there's a right or wrong. It's not sin or unrighteousness. It's like, okay, do what's right. Do what's do right. your job and do it well. So that's what this kind of section of the Proverbs of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 are all about. So we're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and we're actually going to cover verses 11 to 19 today. So if you want, you can follow along the Bible. I know a lot of you guys are just listening while you're jogging around town or, or driving or vacuuming or, you know, yeah, doing some chores, whatever you're doing. Hey, we'll read those verses to you. And that this what starts out in verse 11. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 11 and 12. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. Preserves those who have it. Yeah, definitely. I, I really like this verse. Um, I think it's it, it's connecting inheritance and wisdom really well. Because 
wisdom, just like an inheritance, is passed on to that next generation, right? From one generation to the other. The, the, the things that they've experienced, they've gone through, are passed on just in the way, like if you have finances or a house, is passed on to that next generation. Um, when, I, when I was looking at this verse, I found this crazy story about a Portuguese aristocrat. This is about 2007 this came out. And instead of like donating his or donating money to charity or sending his inheritance to his like sons or daughters or his children or whatever, he just chose 70 random people out of the phone book mm-hmm. in front of two witnesses. So it was all official. <laughs> 70 total strangers and just said, yep, that person's going to get 70th, 70th of my money. And then each person got that. So when this, when this guy died, these people got phone calls. Basically saying, hey, you you, you got to come pick up this money. This aristocrat has given it to you. And then, like, if you got one of these calls, you'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, I'd hang out. There's no way. There's a solicitor. No, no, no. No, no, but really. And so these people got, let, let's see, a uh, some of them got an apartment. Some of them got a house, uh, a car, uh, like 25,000 euros, which is like $32,000, just for doing nothing, just for being a name in the phone book. So wouldn't that be great if one day you get a call from a Portuguese aristocrat saying, hey, I got some money for you. You know, it'd be an interesting psychology study on that, too, because then you could see randomly these 70 people, what happened to their lives Mm. just getting that money. Did they use it well? Did they waste (laughs) it? And then you could track another 70 random random people who didn't get the inheritance, see what it, you know. And see if their life was better. If their control, yeah. Well, I mean, I think think if we're honest, we look at the people that win the lottery – yeah, they blow it in a year, right. and they're exactly yeah. where where they started. So is it really mm-hmm. is it or really worse better, than when or sometimes started. even yeah. worse yeah. off? Yeah, definitely. Um, but also, I, I was thinking about this um, a couple years back. My dad and I were out. I was back home in Arizona, and mm-hmm. we were out walking our dog, and just out of the blue, which is totally what my dad does. He just talks about these huge topics just randomly yeah. in moments of, and that we have together. And so we're out walking the dog, and he just says. Hey, so we, we're finishing up making our will, and I just wanted to talk about what happens when I die. <laughs> You're like, okay. Well, I was like, whoa, okay. We were just out here walking the dog. We're going to go to that. Yep, yep. But, I mean, it's, it's good. It's important, that yeah. And, that, and that's totally what my dad does. He talks about these huge topics. He imparts that wisdom. Yes. Even talking about inheritance in, in those moments, just as we go about life together. Yep. It's just passed on. Wisdom is like an inheritance like that. It's passed on from other people. And that's that goes on to that second metaphor it uses in verse 12. Solomon writes, wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. So those things are tied together. Mm -hmm. When you receive an inheritance from your parents, or if you pass one on to your kids or your grandkids, then it sets them up to have like a leg up, Mm -hmm. right? If you have the money from your parents for a down payment, it's going to be a lot easier to get a house yeah. so that you won't be like the other 40-something percent of millennials who are like still living with their parents. Wow. I think I saw something like that. In I can't tell you the exact number. But <laughs> That's a lot either yeah. way. But if you have some money from your parents, you're going to be set up to move ahead. And in the same way, wisdom sets you up to get ahead quicker. Mm-hmm. You get a leg up. You're starting the race um, you know, 100 yards down the track. And that's the great thing about wisdom is that you do get that leg up. You don't have to make the mistakes that other people have to make. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through the school of hard knocks <laughs> because somebody has made those mistakes and taught you the wisdom ahead of time. If you're wise enough to listen and put those things into practice, you avoid tons of headaches and heartaches and a lot of wasted time. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's so awesome. And I think he continues that on, imparting more wisdom to us in verse 13. We'll read 14 with it as well. It says, Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Hmm. Anything about their future. I don't know. I, I don't know if you're like me. I'm always one of those people that's always thinking ahead. Sure. That always has. Yeah. yeah like, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen five years from now? Like oh, envisioning yeah. what my future future is going to be like. Yeah. And so, like this verse, like it hit me. But I, I think what it's talking about is just that God is in control. That God is the source of good, and even as challenging it it, it may seem, in control of the bad. Right. And so when when those times are good. Solomon is encouraging us, be happy. Yeah. Uh, I've, maybe we're lucky in this, but the, the, the time of Sarah's pregnancy fo- so far has just been really awesome. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> okay, but that's good. Yeah. Then I, I will uh, take Solomon's advice and really be happy about that. I mean, sure, she had some, some morning sickness in the, in the first trimester, but, uh, which was challenging, absolutely. But it's really been a time for us to grow together as a couple. We've been really close to one another uh, we've just been really happy and joyous as we, you know, prepare the baby's room, the nursery, all that sort of stuff, and and, and just just falling more in love with one another. Okay, is what it really is. So so that's good. So when we're in those good times, you're and I'm. Some people are listening right now, and they're like, "Oh, life's going well right now." Yeah. How do we be happier? Like he says, "Be happy." That's a command. <laughs> be happy. How do we do it? I think it's just being intentional about it. It's actually stopping and acknowledging that this is a good time. Yep. I think it's really easy to just kind of let the good times pass by, and then you really focus when the bad times come. Mm. Like you say, oh, this is a bad time. Yep. But doing the same for in those happy moments, those joyous okay. moments, yep. and stopping and enjoying them. Yeah. Putting down your phone. Right. Turn off the TV. Yep. And, and spend time with the people around you that you care about. Yeah, I think that's really important. And and even the idea of celebrating those good moments and those good times. You know, I I think celebration, in fact, I have a book on the spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. And one of the spiritual disciplines is celebration. Yeah, It's not just praying or meditating or whatever. No, celebrating is something that you should do if you're wise. <laughs> and um, that's a spiritual thing. And I had a, a friend, a girlfriend in high school. Okay. And her dad was incredible at this. So I don't remember this. Like my family would celebrate birthdays or sure. holidays mm-hmm. or when someone graduated from high school or college. Yeah. But he would celebrate everything. You mm-hmm. got an A on your test. I think it calls for a celebration. <laughs> it's time to go out to eat. And he would treat it like a celebration, would tell the waitress, oh, yeah, we're celebrating a plus on a <laughs> They'd look at the table like we were crazy. But then he would order chocolate cake at the end of the meal. And I love that he just was like, let's find every good thing to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And it made all those little moments better. Because if we do just wait till graduation or, you know, the really big ones yeah. to celebrate, like, man, four hard years of high school, four hard years of college. Or before, more. Or more. Yeah. You're <laughs> Very the, few people graduate college lap, in four right. years anymore. But. Victory lap or, yeah, if you're, you know, just on your sixth or seventh year, yeah. <laughs> then it's like uh, you've really got to celebrate along the way every mm-hmm. win and. And maybe you'd actually graduate sooner if you were celebrating every time you passed the class. Yeah, it'd be good. It might be motivational even. Enjoy. Be happy in those moments. But but what about the second part? So when the times are bad, consider that God has made the one as well as the other. You when, know, 
the Bible is abundantly clear again and again and again and again, a hundred thousand times, that God is somehow sovereignly in control of, over even the hard times. Yeah. That he does not do evil, he does not sin, mm-hmm. and yet God sometimes deliberately allows hard things to happen. Um, and that's hard for us to hear. We don't want to hear no. that. But the alternative is far worse. I always say this. If God wasn't in control and he was just out of control or he's trying to play catch up to figure out how to clean up the mess that we created or Satan created, man, that's scary. That's way worse. That's way worse. So when we're just thinking about that, theologically, it's like, well, good times happen and bad times things happen. So therefore, we just need to even embrace the hard times. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is difficult. But... Those hard times are the times where we grow the most. Yeah. Where we have the most progress in our own lives. Um, we become better people. We, we can be if we choose to embrace those hard times and say, hey, this is a trial. This is a chance for me to grow as a person. Yeah. Um, but so I think I, that choice is important, right? It's extremely important yeah. because you can either get better or you can get bitter. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah. that's how it is. And that's I know true. people that go through the same trial. Sometimes you see it in a family. Oh, yeah. Someone dies. There's a sickness, and one person in the family it grows and becomes a stronger, more mature person. The other one becomes bitter and alcoholic, depressed, yeah. angry all the time. Same situation. You have to choose that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Solomon is saying. And it's interesting, the very last line, we, we were debating over what this means, but, but he says, therefore no one can discover anything about their future. It's like, what? what is that? How does that apply in that proverb? How does that connect? Well, the point yeah. is that with wisdom, we don't know when the hard time is going to end. Mm-hmm. We just don't, you know, we don't know if um, it, it will last for a month or a few years or a few decades, or it might be the thing that wipes us out. Maybe so. Yeah. We don't know. So we can't assume we're going to, we know the finish line and all of a sudden, okay, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to embrace this hard time because in a month from now, life will be good. Mm. That's what all the teachers are saying right now. Like if I can just get through the next couple of weeks, <laughs> life will be good. but we don't know when summer break is coming. That's right. We just don't. We don't know when the hard things are end, ending. And I, I did a sermon series, you remember, back last fall on the life of Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. overcome. Overcome, yeah, yeah. yep. In the life of Joseph, I mean, he started things out great, but then his brother sold him into slavery, literally threw him in a pit. Let, we're going to leave him to die. They sold him to slavery. Then he was a slave, and then he was thrown in prison, and then he was forgotten by his friends when he was in prison. It was like a decade-long tri- trial. And in one of the messages, I talked about how we get thrown in those pits. Yeah. And God puts us in those pits. And we want to get out of them as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they last years or decades. And after I gave that message, I had a guy come up to me, and who somebody who's been going through a, one of those pits for a few years. Mm-hmm. And he said, Matt, that's great all that you were talking about. When is my pit going to be over? Hmm. When am I going to get out? And I had to say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I think that's what Solomon is saying. We don't know mm-hmm. when we're getting out. We just need to embrace the moment and learn even from those hard things. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not easy to do, but that's what we should be doing. No, yeah. It, it, it's definitely hard. And that's kind of what my message this Sunday is going to be about. <laughs> those seasons of life. Mm. In, in some of the seasons, of course, are very hard. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to verse 15. Here's another little nugget of wisdom Solomon drops. He says, In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Hmm. 
and, and it goes on a little bit. We'll, we'll cover in a second. But he's saying, hey, I've seen both of these things. Really good people who are righteous. They don't sin. They do what's right. Mm-hmm. And they die young. And really bad people who live a long life and seem to prosper. Mm-hmm. And, and we see this, right? Life is not fair. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just not fair sometimes. I remember one time I was on a mission trip to Romania years ago, and I met this young guy, I think he was 15 at the time, named Shubby. And, and, and Shubby um, was incredibly righteous, like way advanced beyond his years for his age. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote a play while we were there, and his play was to share the gospel with his friends. So we put on this play, and we invited all sorts of people from his town in Romania to come. Like, And I was like, man, this... This kid is way more advanced than I was at the time because I was like planning to become a pastor, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, he's more, <laughs> he's more faithful, more righteous, and more evangelistic." And yet, just a few years later, I think it was it was either eighteen or nineteen, he died. Wow. He had a heart condition, and out of nowhere, took his life. And I was like, "How unfair is that?" Yeah. And then we hear other stories about people like Joseph Mengele. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph Mengele, of course, was the doctor of death for Hitler. Yeah. Um, did awful things to Jews, would try experiments, torturing people. Well, he fled, of course, to Brazil. Mm -hmm. And he died years later in his 70s when he was swimming in the Pacific Ocean. Mm. How is that fair? It's not. It's not. (laughs) Yeah. It's not not about being righteous or unrighteous here. I mean, that's that's the point. So so what do we do with that? (laughs) What do we do with that, Sawyer? Well, he he tries to answer that in verse 16 through 18, which I'll read right now. He says... Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why, do we, or why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked, and do, don't be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. So that's an answer, but it's a very <laughs> confusing one, right? Yeah, this is the verse that uh, most parents and pastors don't want their kids to read. That's right. The Bible says to not be overrighteous, Mom. I'm just following directions. <laughs> yeah, but this one's this one's a hard one. This is we we talked about this for quite a while. Um, yeah, but I, I think what it's trying to get at is I don't know if you know anybody like this in your life. I, I think you probably do if you've been in around church for a while. Is this just? There's somebody that is just so focused on every like nitpick detail of mm-hmm. what it means to follow God, right? That they get so wrapped up in the letter of the law mm-hmm. that they don't actually that that is their faith, or even beyond that, they, it's not just about what does the law say in the Bible, mm-hmm. like the letters. They like the gray areas. They try to make their own laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if the Bible is silent on something, they're going to be like, well, this is what we should do anyway. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, is is understandable at one level, but I think Solomon's saying, don't be that person. And I, I think we often do this when we fall into legalism. Yeah. When we, when we hold others accountable who don't follow Jesus for the laws that, that we hold as followers of Jesus. Right. So not loving people well because they're maybe living in a lifestyle outside of God because they don't know God. Right. It's like holding somebody accountable to the laws of Brazil when they're living in the United States. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So we don't want to be people that are over-righteous, people right. that are destroying ourselves, destroying our relationships, mm-hmm. our ability to tell other people about Jesus yep. by the way that we're living. But that doesn't let us off the hook. Okay. It doesn't let us off the hook because he also says, don't be over-wicked. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he's not saying, not giving us an excuse to sin. Right. 
or an excuse to be a fool, which he says, well, why die before your time? Why live in a, a way that's going to eventually kill you? Right. So, so what are we supposed to do? I think it's that moderation. Mm-hmm. The, the way of living that says, I'm not going to fall into legalism. Yeah. I'm going to follow God's law. I'm not going to fall into over-wickedness. Right. I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to sin. Yeah. I know. I'm going to live a life, you know, increasingly. You're try. Yes, try not to sin. Yes, yeah. But also, live smart. Yeah. Not live as a stupid person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I, I can't help but think of uh, 1 Corinthians 10.23. It says, I have a right to do anything. Yeah. You say, but not everything is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Not everything is helpful to you. Not everything is constructive. I have a right to do everything or anything, but not everything is constructive. Yeah. Not everything that you have the ability to do as a Christian is going to help you and your faith, yeah. you and your family's faith. And it's certainly not going to help maybe the witness that you have to the people in your life. Right. If they see you living in certain ways. So you and I are pastors. Mm-hmm. Ha- Sawyer, have you ever had someone come up to you and ask you, is this okay or not? Is this sinful or not? I have, yeah. Okay. Can you think of I an have example? to think of an example. Um, I've had a couple of, well, a couple of students, actually, okay. yeah, say, yeah. come up and ask me, like, is listening to this artist, right, or, or this, seeing this movie, like, is that right. okay? Yep. And I ask them, what do you think? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a helpful question to, yeah. to put back on it. Yeah, people will say, is it okay for my kids to read Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to watch this movie? It's like, PG-13 is the line, except for The Passion of the Christ. You can watch that rated R movie, and maybe Braveheart, too, and Gladiator, because those are cool. <laughs> you know? But we have these arbitrary lines yeah. that we draw on the sand, and, and not to say any of those are bad. Right. The question is, not always, is it right or wrong? Is it sinful or okay? Is it wise or not? It, don't say is it sinful? Is it stupid? Right? Is it That's what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Is it constructive? Is it beneficial? Mm-hmm. Is it just stupid for you? It's like <laughs> if your kid is you know has a Ouija board that they're using every night and loves witches and horror movies and is going out to camp in the graveyard because they're trying to wa- like watch ghosts. Maybe don't let your kid read Harry Potter and do all those other things. <laughs> it may not be helpful. Like, yeah. But for another kid, it's like this fantasy novel, and you say, oh, yeah, you know, witchcraft is, is, is wrong to practice, but this is kind of fun. It's magical. Mm-hmm. You know, Is that okay? It's not a question of sin or not. It's a question of wise or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but, true. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there you go. And Avoid just, all extremes. And, yeah, exactly. Avoid all extremes. Follow God. Fear God. Yeah. Not, is it sinful or not? Is it stupid or not? <laughs> so that leads to, to verse 19, the last one in the section we're covering today. Wisdom makes one wise, person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. Hmm. Wisdom makes one pers- wise person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. So, I, I mean, it's just elevating how important what wisdom is. It's, yeah. it's more important than the power that you have, the position that you have, the fame, the money, whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Wisdom is actually better than those things. Yeah. And in a few weeks in chapter 9, we're going to focus more on this concept of wisdom versus power. So we're not going to camp on it right now. But but here we just kind of see the conclusion of this section, recapping wisdom is important. Wisdom is important, and it may not be a question of whether it's sinful or not. It may just be a question of is it stupid or not. <laughs> yeah. Is it helpful? Is it constructive? Right. So let's be wise. Let's be wise in everything. And that's for your 10,000. Okay, so we're wrapping up this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it this week. 
If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Get it on your podcast app so it gets sent to you even in your sleep um, <laughs> so you can listen to this on the go or wherever you're at. If you can, like us, rate us on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell share, a friend. Share, share it with somebody. Help us get the word out so we can help people live the 10,000 better. All right, we'll see you next time. See ya.